This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Stephanie Lahr. Dr. Lahr is the Chief Information Officer and the Chief Health Informa- Chief Medical Information Officer, both roles at Monument Health. Dr. Lahr, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? Absolutely. Thanks so much, Scott. Really excited to be here. Um, as you mentioned, I uh, am a physician. Internal medicine is my background, uh, and now I I spend most of my time in the technology arena as both the CIO and and CMIO at Monument Health. We are a not-for-profit healthcare system uh, based out of Rapid City, South Dakota. We serve basically all of Western South Dakota, some of Eastern Wyoming and Northern Nebraska, and as I'm sure you can imagine, have a real emphasis on the delivery of healthcare in a rural environment. And and, and talk for a moment about then I'm going to talk to you about digital health care, the broadband issues, the rural health care, telehealth, and more. Take a moment on how your career evolved to where you moved from really full-time clinical practitioner to really now a couple big roles, CIO and chief medical information officer. How did your career evolve, and when did you start to make that pivot, and what, what excited you about it? Yeah, um, well, a natural disaster, a hurricane in Texas, sort of catapulted my interest. Um, We were an epic organization. And um, after a hurricane, as a physician provider, I was a resident at the time, um, we were very quickly able to position ourselves to work with patients using the EHR. Um, I was e-prescribing medications and things like that. And and this was in the early to mid 2000s. And that's where I guess I would say I became a believer that technology was at the core of really changing the way that we would practice medicine and that I needed to be um, involved in how that evolution occurred uh, and not stand back and sort of wait for it to happen around me. And so as I was a a hospitalist um, for several years with an organization, I was I was also working with them on the medical informatics side. Um, you know, I was one of the early physicians. They would joke that I would even talk to them about the technology. And so that was just sort of a natural evolution. It became sort of a, a side gig into a part-time. I reached a point where I was actually doing both jobs full-time, um, a week on, a week on. <laughs> and, um, and, and throughout that, I really found that I just loved the intersection of technology and the delivery of healthcare and felt that that's where I could make my my greatest impact. So when I came to Monument Health, then regional health, um, now just over five years ago, I came here as the CMIO for um, at the initiation of a large EHR uh, rollout project. And um, during the course of that time, the, the CIO I worked for at the time um, determined that he was was going to be retiring just a handful of months after the go live and number of conversations with um, the senior executive team and our our CEO, uh, the organization and the board really felt that um, the clinical background and uh, the the relevance of, of that to our ongoing strategy for not only technology, but the organization um, was of great value and said, well, would you be willing to take on that role as well? Um, And selfishly, I wasn't ready to give up the CMIO side of things yet. And so I said, sure, I I would love to do that, um, but I'd like to do the other and keep both hats. And for an organization our size, it it works. 
and, and take a moment and talk about it. And you mentioned a little bit sort of this digital evolution that's going on and how important it is in rural communities. What, what does that mean for where health systems have to be great? And, 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 and how important is it that health systems are great on the digital and technology side today? Well, you know, I think that without it, um, we won't be able to do and accomplish all of the things that we want for, for our patients and for our communities. The reality is healthcare itself, um, the science of medicine is more and more complicated um, and more and more specialized. The needs of patients is um, more and more complicated and specialized, and the things that we can do for them um, follow in that same vein. And the reality is in a rural area where our population base is smaller and people are spread across a region, um, we are going to need to leverage technology in order to either be able to partner with other organizations and make that seamless. Uh, for the experience of our patients. I think one great example of, of where we're doing that and leveraging technology as we do it is in our partnership with the Mayo Clinic Care Network, which allows our rural patients to remain here, but our two health systems are, are integrated both you know, clinically as well as electronically so that we can share information and they can help provide um, expert guidance where we may need that. That's just one example of you know, really in, in rural medicine, our patients want to stay local for their care. We want them to stay local for their care, but in order to give them the best care possible, technology is, is going to be at the core of that. And Dr. R, how is competition evolving and how does it impact the role that you have as CIO? Yeah, I think there's two elements to this, you know, um, Competition now, it isn't just about high quality care. It's about a high quality personalized experience. And so we really have to keep our eye on the ball around um, a diverse population who has different thoughts and perspectives um, and abilities right now to be able to interact with us, um, whether that's in person or in a, in a virtual world. And so we, we really have to stay focused on, on that because if, if we don't, um, our competitors will. And I think that brings the second element is that competition has gone virtual. And that's, you know, more difficult to track. But I, you know, I, I do things like I Google um, psychiatrist near me just to see what comes up. Do we come up first? Do we not come up first? More recently, especially in high, um, high demand areas like psychiatry, you know, we don't. There are lots of options, advertisements, et cetera, where you can have online access to a psychiatrist, maybe even same day. Um, and so we have to keep our eye on kind of where, where that competition is, is coming from and, and, how, and how to um, manage through that and what we may need to do to uh, expand our, our footprint or change our footprint in order to be able to meet those needs in our community. And take a moment on, you know, people all talk about how difficult internet connectivity can be in either some inner city communities or very rural communities. Some of your thoughts there, what do you see in terms of internet connectivity? And obviously it's taken a whole new level of importance through COVID and, and, and as telehealth becomes a, a more standard way of providing care. What, what do you see there? 
Yeah, this is absolutely um, a, a major area of, I don't want to say concern, but um, but attention that I am paying and working with our, um, our state leadership uh, and other um, uh, telecom services, et cetera, on, on this focus, because it, it is a potential significant barrier in our communities. We we have you know the the rural aspect issues. I'll often joke that you know we have patients that live between two slabs of granite. I mean it's kind of a joke, but it's not really. <laughs> um, in the Black Hills, that's that's very much the case. They're they're made of granite, and if you live between two hills, it's very difficult to get you know broadband connectivity. And what we saw during COVID when we were transitioning sort of emergently so many of our of our visits to um, a telemedicine platform, many, many of our patients were not able to take full advantage of the experience that we could offer by leveraging the combination of video and audio because they, it's just not physically available where they live. You know, satellite is, is really not a great alternative to that. And so lots of conversations, again, that I'm having um, with folks around 5G. Um, the, we've done some work with our um, FirstNet team around how to do that in, in uh, specific elements that are needed. For example, you might have you know, seen in the news some of the recent issues with uh, a fire right here outside of, of Rapid City. And we were able, not we, but you know, the, the uh, FirstNet team was able to stand up um, a 5G, localized 5G network right in the area of that fire to enhance communication. Those are the kinds of things that we're going to need to be looking at either as we go and, and do uh, care on a limited basis, you know, out in small areas and need to, to be able to bring some of that information back in. But then overarchingly, where is 5G for us as, as a state um, so that we can have that more ubiquitously available broadband connectivity for, for our um, communities. And then the second element is, is not just the logistical elements of broadband, but then it has to be affordable um, if not free. And, and certainly as it relates to healthcare and the need to potentially be in someone's home um, uh, virtually in order to deliver some of their healthcare, that's gonna be another focus is, is how do we get past those um, financial and, and social disparities where even if we have broadband available, um, they're not able to afford it. No, and it's, and it's a big issue because you know, like things that we never thought would be part of the serious part of the family budget even in a in a middle class household, any kind of household, become a thousand two thousand dollars a year for you to have internet and broadband and stuff like that. And you're often stuck taking the cable TV whether you want it or not to get your broadband. It ends up being a uh, you know expensive. And if you don't have a significant income, it's a really significant part of your monthly income. If if you want to have broadband and internet and so forth, even if it's a hundred bucks a month, it's a lot of money. Um, and and one last question, Dr. Lar. When you look at this year, what are you most excited about? So I would say I am most excited about um, entering what I believe in, um, in healthcare is going to be the era of automation. Um, I, I think that we, we all 
put our toe in the water to varying um, extents during COVID because the reality was the demand for everything that we did in healthcare was being outpaced, um, or you know, or the, what we were able to do was being outpaced by the demand. And we had to look for ways um, to do more with what we already had, whether, you know, those were our, our clinical caregivers or um, our ability to, you know, answer phone calls and, and things like that. And so we all jumped in in a variety of areas to sort of figure out, well, how do we um, leverage our teams and allow them to be uh, the most effective as they possibly can uh, at doing their work so that we can provide the best service to our community. And alongside that, you know, over the last several years, we've really seen um, the areas of automation that have been introduced in non-healthcare industries become mature in a way that is relevant to healthcare. And, and again, as we look at what our patients and even our providers and our, our caregivers expect out of an experience, I think we have a real opportunity to look at doing things differently and allowing every single person that, um, that is interacting with us to be able to function at their highest possible level with tool sets in automation. And, and I would say that, you know, I think as an organization, one of our primary focuses right now is how do we retain and recruit great people, because truly that's at the foundation of providing high quality care, providing a fabulous patient experience, experience um, being efficient and productive. And at the root of each of those things that then turn into a highly engaged um, workforce who can deliver great things in a community, I think right now is, is automation because we, we don't have enough people to do the work that needs to be done. And, and, so, and such a true problem every place, particularly in rural areas, but every place that work on labor shortages have become very, very acute in trying to balance them out with enough use of technology and so forth. Dr. Lauer, Lauer you're a magnificent guest. I want to thank you today for joining us on the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for the opportunity. It was great fun.